welcome to Housewives and Me, a podcast about why we love the real housewives. I'm your host, Connor Bean, and welcome back for another brand new episode with an amazing guest this week. The one and only Louis Staples is here, who's a writer and journalist who's covered lots of amazing topics over the years, but has written quite a bit a bit about housewives and is just a fan of the shows who tweets about them all the time. So I'm thrilled to have him with us this week. We got into Beverly Hills and talked about money and wealth on that show in a way that I have been... I think thinking about for a while, but haven't really verbalized. So it was lovely to get into that chat with somebody. Potomac, we got into how it's like the most authentic and has the most real friendships. And also that dynamic between the newer shows coming in and really bringing something new to the table and the older franchises failing slightly, which we do get into New York. And Louis did not mince his words on how to recast that show. But also he has a story of getting a cameo video from a certain New York housewife that is one of the funniest housewives run-in stories we've had on the show ever. Like I just, when you hear it, you'll know what I mean. And we got into, of course, the kind of all-stars phenomenon, which is now coming to Housewives World, which they're calling, I believe, Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip, which is coming in November. But, you know, this crossover between different shows in the franchise and for the first time on screen, which is going to be very exciting, of course. Um. I do want to say something as well, not something I would usually talk about on here because there hasn't been any shows to talk about really in the time that this podcast has been on the air. But if you're listening to this before this Saturday, the 18th of September, and you're in Dublin or just looking for something to do, maybe you're visiting, I am going to be DJing at the Mother Summer Block Party, which is a massive uh, event celebrating queer and Irish talent. There's going to be acts like Denise Chyla, Elaine May, Kellyanne Byrne, dozens of Ireland's best drag queens, including... Veda, Victoria and Davina who've all been on this show as well so if you've been dying to see amazing Irish drag acts do the thing that'll be happening as well I will be DJing at the second stage closing out on that night playing all the best pop hangers like songs I have been sweating to play since March of last year like it is going to be the best playlist ever I think I'm really excited about that so if you're interested I'll put a link to tickets in the show notes of this week and you can go over to eventbrite.ie for more info on tickets to the Mother Summer Block Party but just wanted to say it because I haven't talked about DJ gigs on here at all because there hasn't been any so if you are interested you can check that out but for now let's get to our amazing interview on this week's episode here is Louis Staples on Housewives and Me My guest today is a writer of bylines and publications like The Guardian, Vice and Vogue and even has a column for GQ UK as well. And amongst all that, still has time to watch and write about all things Housewives. Louis Staples, welcome to Housewives and Me. Thanks for having me. I thought the day would never come. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've realised lately people now when I DM them are like, I've been waiting for this call. I'm like, oh God, you don't realise how unorganised <laughs> I am behind the scenes. It's truly nothing personal. <laughs> Yeah, there's a whole ranking system going on in people's heads. They think that you prefer some people over another 100%. Oh, God. It's like what it is, is I have a weird, like, cumbersome Google Doc that's just a notes app thing for my phone. And I just have to, like, I literally, that's what I use. I don't have a spreadsheet. So people are like, why haven't you asked me? I'm like, because I'm really disorganized. Anyway, you're here now. I've wanted to talk to you for ages. I'm very excited. We have lots to cover. Um, I do want to ask, how did you get into Housewives in the first place? So that's such a good question because I'm so smug about my answer. So I (laughs) started watching it ages ago when OC was out. Um, I want to say I probably started when OC was maybe on about season six. And then I, I think I went back and watched... I'm not sure I've watched season one, like the really, really old ones, but I, I watched sort of the Alexis Bellino, Gretchen, Tamra, 
and Simon Barney being together era of that. So I sort of started mm-hmm. with OC, the original one. And then I think when I was, you know, when you go to university and you somehow have lots of free time to like stay up until like four or let on your laptop just watching crap, <laughs> I discovered <laughs> New York then. Um, and I think by that point, New York had just released its reboot season in season five. So I watched season yes. five. So Season five was, I, I had seen sort of episodes here and there of New York, but season five was the first season I watched, which was super interesting because then I went back and immediately watched seasons one to four. And obviously they were totally different to season five because it was like a whole new different cast in season five, which I didn't quite appreciate when I watched it for the first time. I became obsessed with New York, watched all of that. And then I watched Beverly Hills. And then from then on, it was just like a domino effect. Just like watch, just like obsessed, needing to watch them all. So you've had that uh, moment that, a lot of us longtime fans of Haber in the last year, people are like, oh my God, I love The Real Housewives. And oh. you're like, welcome, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, to be honest, like, it's so ridiculous because I feel like it's so gatekeepy. It's a bit like when, you know, in mm. lockdown, when people were making sourdough starters and then there were some people being like, <laughs> you know, I've been making sourdough for a really long time. And so like, it's just so petty and ridiculous. But I think the hardest thing has been when there was like seasons one to three that were put on Netflix UK. So for American listeners, this maybe won't apply, but Netflix UK sort of had seasons one to three of, I think it was Atlanta, um, Beverly Hills and New York City. Um, Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, I think a lot of people started on Beverly Hills and before this season, which I know that we'll get into in a a short while, um, Beverly Hills obviously was very different for the last few seasons to how it was in seasons one to three. And there was obviously totally Mm -hmm. different, totally different dynamics. I think only one housewife, Kyle, who was actually there in the old days was actually there now. So it was sort of difficult to see people having all these really big hot takes in real time because I don't even think I actually had, I don't even think I had Twitter when I was really watching all these things for the first time. So it's been interesting, but also so fun to see so many people enjoying it and, you know, being part of the conversation and like having so many different takes on it. Like I've really had my views properly like challenged by people, which has been kind of annoying, but also really, really interesting. So I've enjoyed it. Yeah. And it's also that funny thing that I, I know people who say to me, I'm on season X of Beverly Hills now and I love blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, give it, give it another season that they come back and go, I'm on the next one now and I, you're right. I hate them. Like, it's just funny seeing people have the takes you would have had five years ago. Yeah. It's so funny because obviously there's such huge bombshells that happen along the way that really, you know, change your views on certain people. Mm -hmm. Um, It's sort of, yeah, it's an interesting one because you don't want to feel like you're ruining it for anybody. So you're just like, just wait and see, you know, just, just see what happens. (laughs) And also because people can be very, one thing I've noticed about Housewives, it's sort of unique as a reality TV show in the sense that, you know, in most reality television shows that have a cast, it's, you know, one season. It's a competition show. Maybe like RuPaul, people come back for All Stars, so you get to see a little bit more of them. Um, and obviously we might be having that soon with Housewives as well. But, you know, for the mm-hmm. most part, Housewives really stands out in the fact that you have people on these shows for sometimes decades in some of their cases. And, you know, you really have... So you have a sort of fan loyalty to some characters and some people that you just don't see in other reality shows because, you know, Bravo's really pioneered that type of show, really, where you have a sort of similar cast for many years. Um, but outside of Bravo, it's actually quite rare. So you sort of have a yeah, a loyalty up to some women 
I myself certainly do, and I know some other fans do. So it's interesting to see the sort of things that people can excuse, the things that they can't when it's a certain, when it's a housewife that they really love, you know? Yeah, you're so right. And I think the sort of long running soap saga vibe of Housewives is like, so it's such contrast to even like, say the way Love Island takes over for the summer and it's people are obsessed with the new batch of Islanders for a hot second and then they kind of move on but like we're in deep with these women for like 10 plus years in some instances like it's a di- such a different kind of relationship yeah and you've seen you know their marriage breakdown or you know mm. them have amazing success um and you know there are so- it's certain people say things about say for example bethany frankel you know it's kind of hard not to have a soft spot for her even if she's quite different to how she was back in the day when she you know, was quote unquote broke, but still had, you know, a really nice apartment in the middle of New York or whatever. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's hard not to have a little bit of sentimentality towards someone who, you know, you've been through that journey with. And even people like Ramona Singer, who we've seen her behavior coming under a lot of criticism, justified in a lot of cases, I think, recently. You know, we've seen her you know, daughter growing up, you've seen her marriage of 25 years breaking down, you've seen her go through stuff. So it's, it's sort of a bit like a friendship in a way, because we all make those sorts of bargains with our friends in everyday life, don't we? We're like, we've been friends with them for a mm. real long time, or, you know, we're really close, or, you know, we sort of make those bargains with people's behavior. So it's an interesting sort of perceived friendship with people that we don't actually know. Um, but it's certainly an interesting one. You know, I'm surprised to say this, but I guess we need to acknowledge it. Like Beverly Hills is kind of having such a moment right now, more so than ever has in terms of how good this season is. So I want to ask you about Beverly Hills, how you feel about this season in general, and maybe, you know, what you think of the show overall. As you mentioned, it's one that people have discovered, but has had its ebb and flow over the years of how exciting it is. So where are you with Beverly Hills at the moment? I mean, Beverly Hills and I have a really love-hate relationship. So for until I properly because I never watched New York the sort of its first golden era at the beginning you know as it was actually coming out I watched it in post and then I sort of then watched its second golden era later on as it was coming out so I got to really experience that Beverly Hills I feel like had a massive great starting point um you know some of the first seasons I think season two and three are incredibly compelling reality tv And it's really had the perfect cast, I think, for a few seasons at the beginning. And then it sort of lost its way a little bit. And I think that's not a unique opinion in the Housewives fandom. I'm not really quite sure what happened. It did have some amazing additions to the cast. I mean, love her or hate her, Lisa Rinna is an amazing Real Housewife. um, And certain fan faves like Eileen. But I think what Beverly Hills proves more than anything is that good wives individually don't necessarily make a good cast. And there's a certain thing that you can't really put your finger on in Housewives when the cast is perfect and when the cast sort of men- gel together. Um, I think Brian Moylan, Vulture's recapper, who everyone listening to this will surely know, um, talks a little bit about this in his book, where every cast needs, you know, a certain mix of characters. It needs an alpha, it needs people who sort of play both sides, it needs sort of not filler wives, but people who aren't as explosive to sort of balance the other people. And it needs the sort of right mix between those characters. And I think what we're seeing now, 
with Beverly Hills is that it's having a moment where the casting seems to be very, very strong. Um, I think it's a little bit of a shame on Crystal that she's had to join this season because obviously she was a big part of the first few episodes of the season with her conflict with Sutton. But obviously the the last part of the season seems like it's going to be very heavily focused on all this stuff with Erica. It's a little bit of a shame when a housewife joins a season when there's such a dominant storyline because you feel like you're not yeah. really getting you're not really getting to see see them as much um and that's a difficult position for someone to be in who's new to reality tv and trying to work all that out if you're going into such an extraordinary different circumstances season i think that was sort of the case a little bit with carlton in season four when there was a dominating storyline about lisa vanderpump and she sort of couldn't really find a place within it but i i think that personally would invite all of the wives back if i was casting beverly hills again for next season i think that it's really just down to the cast um also you know you've got to say i'm absolutely shocked by the amount that erica is allowing to be filmed and the amount that she's discussing everything that's going on with her because as we saw you know last season it was sort of a bit of an anti-climax wasn't it because you know there was all this pre-season talk about this huge drama between denise and brandy and we were really hyped up for it and then it sort of never materialized on the screen because I know that there was various things with lawyers and Denise not wanting to talk about certain things. And then she obviously eventually stopped filming. So my sort of expectation before was that Erica would stop filming really, but she's really continued to film even more so. So I'm, I think we, we owe Erica whatever we think about her current situation and her, you know, the speculation of her, everything to do with that. We sort of owe Erica thanks in some way because she's has filmed a lot of what's happened and I feel like we're really getting a story that we wouldn't be getting anywhere else so that's what's compelling about it yeah and it's funny because Lisa Rinna is basically saying that to her on screen all the time when Rinna goes it's good you're here oh I'm glad you came (laughs) it's her way of saying thanks for turning up and collecting a check because her issue with Denise really was she wouldn't film things and we're all here to film a show and she wouldn't turn up. Like you could tell, like as we yeah. mentioned Brian Moyle already, but Brian Moyle always says a lot of the highest voice fights are HR disputes. And I always felt like Rinna more than anyone was like, you didn't punch in your timesheet, Denise. Like that really bothered her or with Erica. It's like, she's just yeah. so impressed that Erica's still filming. And in my head, I'm like, well, as you say, I'm surprised how much she's confessed. Well, sorry, maybe not confessed. I'm surprised how much she's talking in general but i'm also like she probably needs the show more than ever just financially it's a huge win to be on so yeah when rin is like oh, it's good you're here i'm like okay <laughs> we know what that yeah, means yeah <laughs> i mean love her love her or loathe her lisa rena is committed to the medium of reality tv i mean yeah. she runs after people when they've tried to leave and she's very um a team player when it comes to you know essentially like executive producing the show from the side it's ironic that her and Lisa Vanderpump have such a historic rivalry because, you know, they both of them are quite similar in the way that they really were storylining the show. Um, and I think that that was maybe part of why there was such a big conflict between them, because I think both of them wanted to be the one doing that. And while Lisa Vanderpump was around, you know, Lisa Renner was probably always going to lose that battle over who could, you know, spin the storyline most effectively whether that be in the press or whether that be just sort of, you know, manipulating the other wives or, or, or doing things behind the scenes. Um, so I think now that Lisa Vanderpump has gone, Lisa Rinna seems to have taken that sort of role within the group of, you know, making sure that the show is getting its money's worth and becoming a, a really, you know, everything out there being filmed. Um, I think it is good that Erica has filmed all this um, 
all of this stuff to do with the case. I'm absolutely shocked sometimes by the questions she's willing to answer, especially because yeah. in Housewives, there's quite, you know, one thing that Teddy Mellencamp said that I agree with, which is a sentence I never thought I would say, is, <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, it's nothing new for people to have legal troubles on Housewives. You know, it's it's a it's not just, obviously, the cases that we're experiencing right now with Erica and also Jen Shah are mm-hmm. very, very highly publicized and intense cases, serious cases. But it's certainly not new for people to be getting sued or, you know, all the stuff that happened with Teresa. It's not new to the franchise, but it's very common for wives just to say, I can't talk about that for legal reasons, whether it's in their confessional or whether it's with the other wives. And it's sort of a bit of an understanding. And that's why I think even, I think it was Dorit at the Kyle's dinner party was just sort of trying to shut it down just on Erica's behalf almost like I can't believe that you're talking yeah. about this because Dorit wouldn't even talk about her bathing suit lawsuit on camera which I mean is so small fry compared to what we're dealing with mm-hmm. now but she wouldn't even talk about that so I think she just even she couldn't believe the stuff Erica was actually saying I love oh god you actually that was something that I found so funny because that episode we're talking about that big Christmas dinner Kyle's where they all kind of I guess confront Eric in a way and it was a very tense and awkward scene and there was actually there's almost this weird comedy in Dorit being like oh it's just so uncomfortable now oh god and then like you're right I think a lot of her nerves are are they going to ask me about my bank account next because that's just my vibe with Dorit that she's waiting for her she's on tenterhooks I sort of concur I mean we've obviously seen stuff in the press recently about Dorit and PK and various sort of I think it's tax liens and issues with their taxes. You know, it's not a new vibe around then that there's been a lot of speculation around their finances. So I'm sort of not surprised Dorit doesn't want to normalize asking people a lot of probing questions <laughs> on camera. Um, that would certainly benefit her. Um, but I, I do just find it completely fascinating, even from a PR perspective. Like, I just can't believe watching this season who is advising Erica. I think. When I think it was Sutton that asked her if she'd had conversations with lawyers about how to, you know, manage the story, which I just thought was such a ridiculous answer that she said no, because of course you would have done. Everyone would have a discussion with their lawyer, whether it's a divorce, whether it's whatnot, about how to manage a story if they're a celebrity. That's if you're a celebrity and you've got a lawyer, that's part of the lawyer's job is to help you with all that stuff. So of course she would have those conversations. And I don't think there's anything shady about saying yes to that. So it's it's sort of the running theme with Erica for me is that her answers just sort of don't match up with what's vaguely realistic or what I would expect in that situation. So I think it was Sutton that asked her about that, but I can't believe who's advising her. You know, all the all those scenes of her fil- vacuuming her apartment oh and like, oh look at me, I'm so normal, <laughs> as if that's supposed to. I make clean the floors. The- I clean. I clean everything. It's 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 meditative, really. It's like, what I- are you talking about? You have a Dyson. <laughs> It's, it's ridiculous. Like, I basically just feel like one thing that's super interesting about Erica is she's sort of, I guess, storylining this story of her of a life that's not what it seemed, basically, isn't she? So, mm-hmm. you know, all this stuff with Tom that we didn't know about, you know, some of which I think some of the other ladies had heard snippets of, you know, infidelities and whatnot. But, you know, so, so her sort of narrative is this life that wasn't real um, being presented and then behind closed doors it being totally different, which I'm sure, you know, a lot of people don't find too hard to believe. And there's a lot of marriages like that. But um, what I find is interesting that's running concurrently to that for me is that it's this sort of, as the way, as the great Bethany Frankel once said, you know, you can't be smart <laughs> and stupid at the same time. And I think what we're really seeing is that Erica is not as smart as she has characterized herself to be over the years, just in terms of 
how she's presenting herself. She seems to have what I would call, you know, a stunning lack of self-awareness. I think, mm. you know, it's it's an edited reality show. So it's absolutely completely possible that Erica has been talking about um, the victims and stuff throughout, but we haven't seen it. So I'm willing to say that could be a possibility, but I just find it interesting that, you know, it was Garcelle, I think, at the dinner party that actually had to prompt that to be brought up yeah. from Erica. And that was the first time I had heard her say anything like that. And if it was me, I would be leading with, you know, whatever yeah. I'm whatever I'm going through right now is is absolutely nothing compared to what these people have gone through. I want to do everything I can do to help them if any of this stuff is true. And also I'd be saying to the ladies, like, I'm so sorry. I'm mortified that you've all been associated and dragged into this. But the fact that she's not even said any of that and it seems to be, you know, all about her, I think is sort of adding to the sort of toxic... Um, the toxic vibe towards her in the fandom. There's a lot of frustration, I would say, every week watching online about how she's sort of handling this story. I think there's a, a, a gratitude that she's filming, but also an anger at what we're seeing. Yeah, that's such a good way of putting it, that we're like, it's the most compelling thing that's been on the show as a pure storyline, regardless how you feel with the person at the center of it. But then, like, part of me is kind of doing that thing in my head of like, okay, do we just have like a way we expect women to to behave. And I was like, no, it's not about that. It's actually like, as you say, she's just not, her choices in how she's relaying the story just consistently don't make sense. And even sometimes there are inconsistencies in her story. So like, yeah. I used to really like that she was actually a little bit hard and a bit cold with people because I thought, well, that's, uh, you mentioned earlier, casts on these shows need to have like, a, it's like a tapestry, right? There needs to be some people who are more withholding because that is, that will stand in contrast to the Lisa Rinna kind of character. But now it's like folding in on itself because it's like, as you say, either you're nowhere near the kind of like smart and savvy streetwise chick you are, or you're like even more manipulative. Like, it's just, I, I find it bizarre. I find it really bizarre because people like, I've had friends be like, well, you like Erica, you're defending her now. I'm like, I'm not. It's actually painful because I low-key thought she would actually have some semblance of like self-awareness to go how am i going to pay these victims they deserve the money what can we do ladies this is a sh i'm so like as you say i'm so embarrassed like there's none of that like she seems annoyed that they would even ask questions which yeah. i find bizarre and i think it's completely legitimate for any of them to worry about being associated with something like that yeah. i mean maybe this is a divisive thing in the fandom maybe there's people that don't agree with me and i totally appreciate that but you know if i was her i'd be saying i'm so sorry that like all of you have been dragged into this and like essentially that a show that loads of them have built together is now being associated with not only you know yeah. these terrible allegations but also a sort of a completely fake what seems to be a totally faked lifestyle i mean you know the lifestyle that she's presented on the show seemingly unknowingly fair enough was completely a lie so she's sort of undermined she's undermined the show as a whole and the the, the medium really because it's sort of telling us that everything that she'd shown us on camera for so many seasons, whether that be her lifestyle or actually just what she was saying about her marriage wasn't real. So it's sort of undermining the medium of reality TV and the show as a whole in the long run, even if this is a very compelling season. It's, you know, going to be interesting to see how the show recovers from something that was so obviously not what it seemed, if that makes sense. No, it, it really does make sense. And I actually think you've hit it on something there, like some of the, you know, frustration that you mentioned the audience has about Erica, I share. Like to me, her 
way of handling it has been awful. But I'm noticing people are getting annoyed about certain things that I'm like, hang on, that's actually baked into the show. When people are like, the way she spent, like obviously we now have questions about where that money came from. So when people say the way she spent that money, that's disgusting. But I'm also like, whoa, 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 hang on. We are complicit in watching, particularly on this edition of the show, of watching a city where the level of wealth on display is tacky as shit. So like, we can't get mad at these women for doing the things we watch the show for. And I do think in an odd way, the sort of not always talked about, but in the air conversation about wealth and money and how do you know how much money you have? It's new ground for this show because money has been so like, that like, I don't know, like you in Second City, they're like, New York is the fifth lady. It's like on Beverly Hills, wealth is the eighth woman. It's like, wealth is such a big part of this show. And I do feel like the Erica story is kind of shattering our perceptions about wealth. And listen, justified anger, because I have it too. But I do think some of the issues we're taking, I'm like, these are issues with all of these shows, particularly this one and how it talks about money. And as you say, the, the illusion of a perfect lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with that, really. It goes to some actually quite profound, big questions about society. Because, oh, wow. <laughs> um, because really, if is it is it moral for anyone to have all those planes? And right, everything? yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and you could really argue that there's no wealth that's that wealth with that level of wealth that doesn't feature exploitation or some some type of immoral goings on, you know, Mm -hmm. Kyle and Maurizio have a lot of money, um, more money than they did at the start of the show. Um, And a lot of that's from running, you know, a successful real estate business, which is obviously fair enough. But, you know, is it, is it fair that these people have this eye watering wealth and that, and then how, how legit are all the people they're selling those homes to? Like, we don't even know. So, you know, there's a whole system in play. And it it almost actually reminds me a little bit of the film Knives Out. Have you seen it? Um, I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Which is a you know, whodunit mis- murder mystery about wealthy people for people. Yeah, so the really Just, interesting yes. part of that film is when all the all the wealthy people in the family, there's some people who are on the far right and some people who seem like yeah. they're on the far left. And they sort of are all arguing at one point and about politics, but they all come from the same family yet have different political views, which is a classic tale. But then the point mm-hmm. where they all stop arguing and then become on the same team is when this working class girl um, threatens their fortune. So when their yes. when the patriarch of their family leaves all his money and rights to his um, to their housekeeper. So it's almost a little bit like that watching Beverly Hills with all the housewives sort of coalescing around Erica because it is a little bit like what we're saying with Dorit and even to the other ladies as well that if people start to become really skeptical of that type of wealth and start, you know, digging into everyone who's got that type of wealth and becoming, you know, I'd argue as suspicious as we should be about it, then that's really going to affect all of them and the lifestyles they lead. So it's sort of unsurprising in a way that they're rallying around their friend during this time, because at the end of the day, it's class loyalty, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And then it's funny. I mean, we're talking about wealth and obscene amount of money and like the ethics involved. And like, I'm not trying to like be, you know, like the moral arbiter like I watch all these crappy shows I park my views on certain people's politics and watch all these cities so I'm not judging anyone per se but the irony that like Sutton who clearly is probably the most wealthy of all of them is the one who is also leading the charge to ask the hard questions like when Rena goes you're so rich wow it's like yeah she is and she's also weirdly the voice of reason like it yeah there's also a kind of a hilarity factor in that as well well I think that's interesting because there's is also what I would perceive as a sort of class dynamic that's going on between Sutton and Erica and a little bit of a tension there because Mm. they're both from the state of Georgia, but Sutton is 
you know, old money from Augusta, and Erica was, I think, working class from Atlanta. So Sutton was sort of raised in society and married a very wealthy man, whereas Erica went to LA and worked as a waitress and married someone there. So there's a sort of mm-hmm. different dynamic between those two ladies. And there's, I think all this really came out of was a frustration on Sutton's behalf that Erica wasn't clued up about this sort of thing, because Sutton has obviously been through a very, a divorce that factored in a lot of money and assets in the last few years. Yeah. So she's obviously coming out of that situation and projecting quite a lot of her own stuff onto it. So she's sort of angry at Erica for not knowing all of that stuff, but also Sutton comes from a world where she's a lot more used to knowing the specifics about money because she's lived in that world her whole life. So, and been a player in it on her own, not just because of her husband for some time. So there is an interesting class dynamic between them, I think of, and that's sort of playing out in Erica's anger towards Sutton about this whole, like you're worried about your reputation because you're on the board of all these fancy things. You know, Erica's rich, but she's not been on the board of any fancy things because that's not her, you know, where she comes from or what what she would be used to whereas Sutton comes from that sort of elite class world so there's all that sort of going on beneath the surface I feel like yeah and it's funny too I mean now I think there we have a different take on Erica Jane the pop star and the self-finance kind of because you know before all this you would look at the pop star career she had and you go well however successful it was in terms of charts at very least the videos and the productions people involved it it emulated a certain kind of polish but like it's interesting that at some point Eric was playing the like doting wife of the wealthy, you know, do-gooder lawyer, allegedly, maybe not so much of a do-gooder, dropped that to become a pop star, whereas Sutton is, you know, as you say, entrenched in panels and boards and fundraising and like high society. And even Erica thinking that by, you know, going on stage in a sparkly bodysuit and like patting the puss, she's like, I'm a rebel, you know, I'm a bad girl. It's like, yeah, you're still loaded. Like, you are still rich as well. Yeah, like what I find interesting about Sutton is that she's almost like a housewife from another franchise. I feel like I would Mm. be more used to seeing her in New York or um, even like Dallas rather than Beverly Hills because she sort of reminds me of like Tinsley a little bit or maybe like Tinsley's mom, like no shade to (laughs) Zion, but like sort of like that type of woman. And I could sort of see her like living in New York and because I bet Sutton goes to New York all the time to do like New York ballet and like shop at Dolce & Gabbana and stuff like that. I bet Sutton has a sort of a network there, as as I'm sure lots of wealthy women do. But I sort of feel like she would be, she's more the sort of housewife I would be used to seeing in New York City rather than mm-hmm. Beverly Hills. They had Lisa Vanderpump, but it's sort of a different type of woman. Lisa Vanderpump's always been a bit, little bit more dif- difficult to place and, you know, works in restaurants and whatnot. Whereas I feel like Sutton, yeah, is sort of the sort of person that I could imagine having a bit of a, competitive relationship with the countess in new york if she was there we've discussed beverly hills a lot there is a lot to discuss there i don't know how much we'll get out of this one but we have to discuss the i guess the elephant in the room for housewives fans right now (laughs) which is real housewives in new york and where we are or aren't with it as a show how do you feel about this season and it sounds like it's a show that you you have a fondness for so where are you with it at the moment oh i just feel disappointed with I feel like New York City is my child and I'm disappointed in that they've done something bad. Yeah, um, I was going to say, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Yeah, I expect I just, better. <laughs> you know what? I will put some caveats on this because I think it was Dorinda who did a slightly like smug and iconic interview the other day relating to her new book um, about this. And she did say, which I agree with, that it's harder for the New York ladies to film in COVID because 
Um, mm-hmm. They don't have the space. And, you know, unless you want to see people walking around the park endlessly, there really isn't a lot of stuff of filming options to, in New York. Whereas the Beverly Hills ladies have these enormous properties with outdoor space and several properties that they can film in. So it's it's much easier for them. And the New York ladies, they just feel sort of trapped together the whole time. It just feels very claustrophobic, which is interesting because th- this is such a small number of wives. It's only five wives. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because there's not really many new storylines. I feel like we're recycling this sort of Luan getting sober, um, Sonia like being, you know, on the down again. It's sort of like stuff we've seen before, crammed into a very mm-hmm. small space. So it feels very just like like I can't I don't have air to breathe. Um I feel sorry for Ebony, to be honest with you, because I feel like this was the worst year for a new wife to join. I feel like across the board, it should have been a thing that on the COVID season you don't put in a new housewife because I've not mm. seen one where I really feel like it's worked that much. I think Kathy Hilton in Beverly Hills has obviously been a huge success, but she was sort of, you know, in Kyle's family and we sort of knew of her already. So she wasn't a completely new person. Um, and she's made various cameos on the show before. But yeah, for someone that we don't really know, I just think it's really hard to make an, make an impression in a season like that. I just feel like COVID was not the time for her. Um I just think, yeah, New York is stuck in a rut. I never really thought I would say this because it seemed to be going so well and it was having such a golden era for so many years. But now it just feels like it's sort of out of ideas a little bit. And I'm honestly not really sure what the suggestions I would give would be. I find it interesting because I always thought that New York was the jewel in the housewife's crown. Um, that was sort of the way yeah. I view- the way I viewed the housewife's world was that New York was, you know, the beacon and all the other franchises should learn from New York. Um, And it really was like that for a really long time in New York's old era. And then it's kind of like resurgence. But I'm sort of, all my views on it are sort of shifting now because it feels just like New York actually can't seem to do very well when certain people leave. So last season I thought was a little bit of a dud, but I sort of put that down to, you know, Bethany left like I think a week before they were supposed to start filming. And then, you know, that sort of derailed the season a little bit and they were sort of playing catch up. So I, I thought, you know, one bad season happens to everybody. This time, it just seems to be even worse than the previous season. Obviously, we don't have Dorinda either. So that's a double loss. And going back to what I said about filming locations, I think we really underestimated how much the Berkshires helped to anchor a season of New York City. You know, since season Mm. seven, we've had those Berkshires trips. That's five or six seasons, I think, of having that sort of secondary housewives trip. I think it was always sort of mid-season. And it really did sort of provide that extra housewives trip every year in a sort of familiar setting. And they would always just act ridiculously in that setting for some reason, who knows why. But it would always Mm -hmm. provide at least, you know, three good episodes from the Berkshires and one crazy confrontation at least whereas I feel like we're missing that so there's kind of you're running on a deficit of that then you've not got as many wives not got as much new material not got any locations because obviously all the restaurants have been shut I think the fact that we're now returning for our second trip to Ramona's Hamptons house in one season really says it all and the first trip my goodness Mm. it was like five or six episodes it seemed to go on for how long were they there for like three weeks yeah I was like please get them out get them out obviously we had a four week break because I think it was Sonia (laughs) got COVID and four weeks is a really long time so I think that they've been filming under some really difficult circumstances um but I'm sort of I sort of 
have the view that would it be the worst thing if some franchises just took a year off? Like in the UK, we've obviously had Love Island back this summer and people seem to have been really into it and I think part of that is because it wasn't on last year and I think sometimes when you give things a little break it reminds people how much they miss them and would it be the worst thing if sometimes they just paused franchises for a little bit um I know that Bravo's ultimate goal is profit and you know the ladies will want to get paid so that's never going to happen but I think yeah New York just needs a bit of a break and I think a major casting shakeup. Um, I don't know if you want to hear my opinions on who I would who I would keep and who I would get rid of. But um, yeah, I do actually because everyone has had different ones when I've asked them or, or when they've discussed this. So like just from what we've seen, who what would you do if you were in, uh, holding so the axe, if you will, <laughs> metaphorical bre- axe? <laughs> it breaks my heart, but I would really. I think it's a tough one because you have to keep some sort of semblance of continuation, don't you? Um, mm-hmm. So when you, whenever you're doing a reboot, you have to keep some of the original cast. Otherwise it'll just feel kind of weird. Um, but in this case, I would probably bring, if, you know, money was no object. And I know that she's all, he, she's shot this down already on social media, but I would bring back Bethany, of course. I would also mm-hmm. bring back Dorinda. Um, and then I would probably keep Luann. Um and then I think, honestly, I would replace the rest of the cast. Um, All of them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Fucking I would, get, I would like, get, get out. I would get three <laughs> new wives, and I think, I think that with so with with Dorinda and Bethany, we know them, so they wouldn't feel mm-hmm. like new wives. They'd feel like old wives, so they would sort of feel like the old cast. Um, and then obviously Luann there as well. But I really do feel like. Sonia's time has come you know at some points I genuinely feel a bit awkward even watching her on the show because she doesn't seem really like someone that we should really be watching because she doesn't seem in a good space and that sort of makes me feel you know obviously it's real life but that makes me feel quite sad and a bit ethically uncomfortable um you know watching that sort of behavior over and over again and I'm not really sure why Dorinda got fired for, you know, some pretty appalling behavior, I'll say, on the last season. But Sonia seems to exhibit very similar behavior a lot of the time when she's had a few drinks and always seems to get wheeled out to do it again. And I just feel like Sonia needs to... Sonia's time, I think, has probably come to an end. And I would also say that Ramona, the same. I I don't have a sort of hatred for Ramona Singer. I totally understand that. Um, some people do because of, you know, her political views. And I understand that. But I think she's made an amazing contribution to the show and to reality TV. But I think that we're not really ever getting anything new from Ramona. It's sort of more of the same. And I think that the show seems to be stuck in a bit of a rut. And I think having people that just seem to do the same, the same, the same is helping it be stuck in that rut. And yeah, I would possibly actually say that I would probably give Ebony a second season. So I would add Ebony to Luann, Luann, Bethany, Dorinda, and Ebony, because I feel like, as I said, I don't think it's fair that she got her COVID season as her first season. So I feel like, Mm -hmm. I feel like we'll give her a second season. Um, And yeah, Leah, I just don't think it's working, sadly. (laughs) I have this, I have this concept that I always say to my friends, and this is probably not very PC, but I call it second season derangement syndrome. (laughs) God. <laughs> it's basically it sort of is what it says on the tin it's and it's totally understandable that when a housewife has her first season and then she goes off for the mid for the break between seasons and gets asked back for the second season you know there's hundreds of thousands of followers on social media there's press interviews there's mm-hmm. you know all this attention there's being recognized there's you know 
seeing watching yourself back seeing an edited version of yourself and seeing what people like and you know having this sort of army of fans behind you who'll support you no matter what i don't really think that's a very healthy thing for anybody so it's totally understandable despite the harsh name it's totally understandable but it is something that we've seen (laughs) time and time again on housewives is that when someone comes back for a second season they often aren't the same i'd say we're sort of seeing it on potomac as well with one of the wives i know that we'll get onto that shortly i think that leah's sort of suffered really badly from that this season and seems to you know she was already quite a lot in her first season you know that's why a lot of people liked her but she seems to have gone even further perhaps to compensate for the fact there's not many housewives this this season but uh yeah it's, it's just a little bit too much for me god you really just went in there and said get rid of all of them i mean i, I, <laughs> I did i said keep two keep two yeah bring no. that, <laughs> yeah, bring well, that you, you relented with Emily. you're like actually I'll keep yeah Emily. no i sort of forgot about her but i will say you know as as i said earlier she deserves a second shot because it's fair. not really fair this time yeah it's funny it's interesting because i think your parallel between sonia and dorinda's drinking like for me it's never felt as bad with sonia but i can see what you mean about well i think with dorinda it felt sort of it felt meaner i think with dorinda Mm -hmm. she she felt a lot more aggressive and mean and i think you know her whole her final scene which was so obviously quite sad given what a great housewife she was her final scene with all that stuff about tinsley and you know the cameras and it was all just so dark and really unsettling to watch um i sort of think that it is different it's not the same but i do think you know sonia gets really drunk and screams and you know breaks glass and does sort of lose it a little bit um she doesn't go for this. I think Dorinda really throws the kitchen sink at people and goes for the thing she knows is going to really hurt them. And I don't think Sonia, Sonia quite has that in her. She never really gets to that level. She more just kind of shouts about random stuff. But Dorinda sort <laughs> of was a bit more, a bit more of a mean drunk. But I still think that there comes a point where, you know, this is a show where some of the cast have been arrested. And, you know, there is a certain duty of care that I feel like isn't really being applied to Sonia. I mean, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but it just seems to me that, she gets put in the same situations over and over and over again. And as we've seen, you know, some of the cast, it tends to be brought up as a storyline. And I just don't know how healthy that is for someone year on, year out. Yeah, that's a good point. She's definitely in a tricky position. Um, we've we've been discussing two long-term kind of behemoths of all things Housewives, but a show that is treated as a newbie, but really is been around for a while now. It's Potomac, which is ha- kind of going from strength to strength. Where are you with Potomac and that sort of, I guess, new versus old dynamic in the franchise. Yeah, I mean, Potomac is fascinating because it's sort of leading this new wave of new, the new Housewives establishment almost. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we've seen these old franchises, New York and Beverly Hills, Beverly Hills resurging, but for a long time wasn't in a good space. New York now on the arts, but Potomac and obviously Salt Lake City, which is upcoming, seem to just be really revitalizing the franchise as a whole. Um, It's interesting because Potomac and Dallas have been going on for around the same time. We obviously know that Dallas hasn't worked out in the same way for several reasons, but Potomac is really doing, really doing the heavy lifting right now um, in the Housewives world. And I think, you know, of, of all the ones I'm looking forward to the most, Potomac is the one I'm most looking forward to watch every week, even with all the Erica stuff, because it's just so entertaining. Like I literally gasp and howl with laughter several times during every Potomac episode at either the interviews or just the things that people have the audacity to say to people's faces. It's it's a great cast at the moment. I think that it's got a really nice mix of new faces with obviously Mia and Escala, the new friend of sort of bringing something different into the mix. And also Wendy, who still feels kind of new, 
but then you've got the real old school drama. And I think there's four OGs on that franchise. So it's a really nice mix. And it really does feel just like a sort of, yeah, like the new wave of, of Housewives. Um, and it's really breathing new life into the franchise, I think. Yeah, and you're right. Like, it's just, I mean, you mentioned there about, you know, would it be the worst thing if New York took a break? And I think what they'll probably do in New York is sort of the OC model where they just, they waited a small bit, retooled the cast, and now they're back in action. And really, the amount of time it'll be away from our screens won't be that long. It's just sometimes that kind of a... Uh, treadmill that the old school shows are on starts to like wear out whereas something about Potomac because as you said there's four OGs and it's based on more existing relationships you kind of do want them to pick up quickly and get back into it and also because to be fair last year they delayed the filming the airing of the season for so long but like Potomac it feels like yeah move now so much is going on naturally whereas which I think does stand in marked contrast to the older franchises where they are kind of running out of juice at times and probably need I don't know if I if I was good at car metaphors I would say a tune-up but I don't know the cars that well yeah I think what's interesting is that there's to me sort of common thread behind the the franchises that when we've liked franchises and what they're doing right and I think that what Potomac really has is that it firstly feels very authentic in terms of the drama between the ladies feels real and it feels you know particularly between Karen and Giselle it feels deep and they don't hold anything back so it feels like you're really sort of in their friendship group in the midst of all this drama when it's happening and I think even with Beverly Hills the reason why we're liking it so much this season is because it feels like that again and we're really they're not holding anything back was what's disappointed us in the past is that it's sort of censored things a lot and we feel like we're sort of being duped whereas this year we're letting we're let in and also then with New York when it was in its golden era you know we saw a lot of stuff there that was very deep you know Bethany's divorce um death of Dennis uh you know Carol and Dorinda's trip to London you know we saw a lot of stuff there that was very you know very personal so it felt like a more intimate connection and that's what Potomac is giving us now um and really what it's done for the last few seasons it feels very real it feels like the ladies are just it feels like they're giving us everything that we're, they're not holding anything back um and I think that's what's so compelling about it you know when people are annoyed it feels like they're really annoyed and it's not just not just because they're filming a tv show I mean who knows the extent to which that's true you know there's always a fourth wall Housewives has let us behind that more than ever in the last few years but it feels to me like a more authentic connection yeah no I think there's definitely a contrast and something that is kind of coming down the pipes they filmed one season of it and apparently gearing up for another one is this sort of they're building it a housewives mashup kind of vacation spin-offs but we're calling it all-stars because we all watch drag race and top chef and everything and we're saying all-stars so we've got housewives all-stars on the horizon how do you feel about that as a concept and is it kind of a fresh innovative take that the franchise needs or is it actually the sign you know like of, of a kind of fatigue where they're going into that well when because i'm randy cohen used to say when the show was on its last legs we'll throw different cities together and they're doing it while the shows don't seem to be so it's an interesting one yeah andy cohen did say that um and yeah i think that it's an interesting one because what i've just been saying about authenticity and real organic drama um it's sort of the antithesis to the concept of an all-stars isn't it because you know, mm-hmm. it's acknowledging that these women are all reality TV stars and, you know, some of them probably don't know each other and we're sort of throwing them together in an artificial environment for a set amount of time so that we can watch it. So it's to- it's different to, you know, what would make a normal Housewives trip special, which is a sort of a build-up of drama going into the trip 
and then you know a concentrated time together that people can't get away from that tends Mm -hmm. to be what brings this sort of explosive drama that we're accustomed to seeing on housewives trips but here you know it's a totally different game the wives are you know being paid handsomely to turn up for i guess two weeks or something and film together and you know they might not know each other but they know each other as i guess colleagues so i'll be interesting to see how it works out i think the if it's boring, that'll be more the issue. Um, yeah. I don't think it will be, given the wives that are going are just such seasoned pros and have worked in reality television for so long that I think it would be unlikely that it would be boring because they're, you know, they're some of the longest serving wives from all the from the franchises that are participating. I think what made me more excited was the rumors about a potential second All Stars in the Berkshires. Um, I don't, I don't know whether whether that's because. I don't know why that felt more exciting than a trip on an island, but, and I, I'm pretty sure it's probably just a report because I find it unusual that they would, you know, be giving details about a second season before the second one's even, the first one's even aired, sorry. So I'm not sure how true that can be, but I mean, I want it to be true. Yeah, I think that it's an interesting one. I'm not sure whether Andy was right, that it means that the franchise is is on its last legs. I do think that it means that it's moving into a different phase where Mm -hmm. it's sort of acknowledging its own history, right? So to have an all-stars is to acknowledge that your show has been running for a long time and that it's sort of got its own like cultural history as Housewives does. Like Housewives is almost like, it's almost like the MCU and like the Housewives are like our superheroes because there's there's so many like subplots and like rivalries and little references and, you know, guest stars and, people it sort of is like the marvel universe but the bravo universe so yeah i mean i've heard yeah i've heard people call it the bravo cinematic universe shout out to come through queen they've said that so you're definitely not alone in that assessment so it's sort of like that and what we're seeing so it sort of ties into a cultural trend doesn't it that we're seeing over Mm -hmm. over, that goes beyond even reality tv we're seeing franchises like marvel star wars resurrecting characters from the dead you know doing everything to have new films with familiar characters. We're seeing reboots, Gossip Girl, Sex in the City, everywhere. You know, people seem to be wanting to see the familiar or networks seem to be giving us that, but maybe because they don't know what else to do. But there's a definite trend towards seeing things that we've already seen. Um, And in reality TV, it's specifically interesting because you would assume that as a new medium, a relatively new medium compared to a film and traditional scripted TV, that it wouldn't have the same pressures as them. Um, but actually, it sort of, it seems like it does. And it's it, it's just like these mediums working out the best way to sort of give us what it thinks we want, whilst also on a nod to its history. I think that it's interesting because it certainly feels like Housewives acknowledging that it's not the new kid on the block anymore. And real- all these all-stars reality TV shows are sort of reality tv is a medium acknowledging that it's not the new kid on the block anymore and it's going into a sort of new phase where it's quite an establishment media and since the dawning of social media and instagram reality tv's sort of been playing catch up to that and is is the sort of more distant uh, of those two things whereas when reality tv first emerged it was like wow we're getting to see behind the scenes in these people's lives whereas now when someone say has an instagram and a reality tv show what we see on the reality tv show is like what happened months after we've already seen it on their instagram mm. so it feels a lot more distant doesn't it um and i think that's something that housewives has sort of struggled with in the past i know that andy cohen isn't a big fan of them sharing stuff on social media from the seasons you know in case it feels stale mm. so i think all stars coming at this point is sort of yeah reality tv and housewives acknowledging that it's not new um but maybe that's not a bad thing um i think that it could certainly work 
the most successful all-stars that we've seen in the reality TV world is RuPaul, um, obviously yeah. Drag Race. Um, so hopefully they can learn something from why Drag Race has been so successful compared to other all-stars um, and make it work. I have confidence that Bravo know what they're doing. I mean, they've been serving us for so many years that I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt um, and and hopefully that it'll be it'll be interesting. But I think it's interesting that we're having an All-Stars, which is fairly sort of old school people. And then that's happening at the same time as this, this new wave of housewives. It sort of feels quite interesting. It's a new format, but it's old school people. But then there's this new wave of franchises that are sort of challenging the, the old hierarchy of how things used to be. I think the new series of Salt Lake City is going to be fascinating for that because obviously mm-hmm. judging by the trailer, it looks like it's going to be an amazing season. I wonder whether Jen Shah will be as open as Erica has been. I think it will probably hinge on all of that. Yeah. But it's it looks like it's going to be explosive. So I'm excited to see how everything sort of shifts. Because as I said at the start, my view on the housewives world is rapidly changing. Yeah, and it's it's interesting you mentioned there the kind of old school versus new school in, in the franchise and the idea that we're seeing a lot of established old school cast members and then also this weird tension now where there's talk of people who've already filmed All-Stars Season 1 or Housewives Vacation or whatever they'll call it who may not go back to their respective cities as full-time cast members. And then there's been people going, but how will they promote a show on Peacock if they're not on Bravo? But then also, I, I think, as you mentioned, the, the trying to keep reality TV relevant is part of it and, and kind of what to do next. But also, it's the streaming era and how that has created this rush on IP, intellectual property, like existing ideas and existing content to grab you when there's so much out there. And also, I think we forget because we are kind of watching the show via streaming or on demand because we're not in America, but like Housewives is a big part of the pay TV, watch it live television structure in America. And I think they're trying to adapt a very like sit down and pay for cable and watch this at eight o'clock every night with the watch it whenever you want dreams come true on streaming because we've an unlimited budget like stuff they would never do on traditional cable tv in terms of like i guess just commissioning four episodes or whatever is now perfect for streaming and it's fun to think of how spin-offs of housewives could have a whole new lease of life now because i think before it's very hard to market a housewife spin-off because it just felt distracting it's like well in the streaming world anything can live in the streaming world like it's it's a whole new ballgame yeah i mean it's an interesting one because housewives i think tend to struggle when they do their own spin-offs um i've not Mm -hmm. i mean i was fully obsessed with the big shot with bethany you know unashamed fan i love that show but oh wow (laughs) i know i watched all of it and i was like obsessed with it but i fully appreciate that not everyone thought the same i mean the the ratings show us that so um Mm -hmm. And, you know, Bethany is, you know, one of the biggest housewives ever. Um, Obviously, Vanderpump Rules has been very successful, but I think that owes more to just the cast on that, the main cast, um, especially in the first few seasons than the presence of Lisa Vanderpump herself. So I think it's been, you know, a rough road for housewives spinoffs, but it's interesting because it's like, it's a spinoff, but it's still a collective cast spinoff, even though it's not the same cast we've seen anywhere else so it's going to be really interesting to see how it works i'm honestly quietly confident that it's going to be really good um just Mm -hmm. because it's fun to see you know each franchise has its own vibe and its own sort of social codes and um stuff. and it's just going to be really funny to see you know atlanta wives you know chatting to the countess and like it's it's just going to be really really interesting to see how all that works out and you know they, they probably have a sort of hierarchy themselves the housewives of who's 
which franchise is the biggest yeah. one and you know which wives are the ones you want to be friends with and you know it's they probably have a whole thing in their own head so it's going to be really interesting to see how they react around each other like how how's Ramona is Ramona going to be really like submissive and kiss assy to Teresa like I'm just interested to see how oh all that's going to pan out <laughs> Yeah, but it's funny you say that because when you were talking about kind of the hierarchy, I, I was thinking of how Ramona got into it. Vicky Gumbelson, when Ramona said that New York put houses on the map and not OC because, you know, OC was the first one or her beef with Giselle or when Dolores pulled her up on not taking a photo with a fan and, and being rude. Like, Ramona fully thinks she invented Housewives. And you're right, when she sat there with Teresa or even, say, Kenya Moore, who's such a, like, standout in that universe, like, how is she gonna... I mean, you're right, the dynamics just on paper are so potentially like crazy. Yeah, I think a lot of the housewives, the fr- I'd say Beverly Hills, New York and OC all think that they put housewives on the map um, mm-hmm. for different reasons. I think, you know, but I, my, my honest opinion would be that it probably was New York City and out of all the wives, Bethany Frankel probably has the biggest, the biggest part to play in housewives becoming the fo- cultural phenomenon that it has been. Um, I think- What about Nini though? The memes alone, yeah, the that's references. True. But a lot of people. I think Nini's success I in totally pop culture. Agree with you, like, but I don't I, know. I will say that there's a sort of a dynamic with Nini where a lot of people post memes of her and they don't even know who she is. So I think Nini's so giveable. And one of my anno- biggest, most annoying things about Housewives is, is when people who definitely don't watch the show post gifts and memes about it. That like <laughs> totally irritates me. Um, but yeah, I think Nini, yeah, you're probably right. I'd say Nini, I'd say there's like a, tr- a holy trinity of Nini, Bethany, and Lisa Vanderpump, who probably yeah, have for sure. the three people who've probably brought most people to Housewives. I'd probably say those those three are probably the people that have the most. I know Vicky Gumbelson likes to think she's the OG of the OC, and obviously she'll always have that. But I do think that those three, I think Nini's an interesting one because she obviously had so much appeal in glee and um other things you know she really broke through into like other other avenues in a way that i'm not sure i'd seen before so that's definitely an interesting one but then i'm not sure if those people necessarily watched then watched housewives because of nini you know what i mean so it's an interesting one i feel like with nini with pop culture being a gif being a meme like landing work in other tv things like i feel like nini has this sort of pop culture resonance i think in terms of success and wealth and money and business and pop culture recognition, Bethany has a, a slight advantage. And then I think Lisa Vanderpump just has this sort of caricature style, like name brand recognition, like, oh, I know who that is because of her yeah. silhouette and because she has honestly, like, I would, wine. I would put the Countess up there, but not quite on their oh. level. But, mm-hmm. you know, just her music, you know, everyone knows Money Can't Buy You yeah. Class and Chic Silvi and, you know, just being the Countess. People hear the Countess and they think of New York. Like she's very emblematic of yeah. that franchise. I think that I agree with you about Nini. I think what I was more meaning about Bethany is that she was sort of the narrator of that show. So she in, she yeah. was almost a bit like she didn't belong there a little bit. And she was sort of going there with us and telling us, you know, the Hamptons is about this and this is what people do here. And like, this is what you want to invite yeah. for. So she was sort of explaining everything to us, which was what was so good about her at the start. Um, but I, yeah, I certainly think I would put the Countess and up there in the in the sphere, but maybe on the second tier. But yeah, ne- and Lisa Vanderpump obviously is the one everyone will always think of when they think of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Um, and sort of 
set Beverly Hills apart from all the other franchises in terms of that sort of very Beverly Hills type of wealth and, you know, Million Dollar Wedding, GGG and like all that stuff. Um, And just being such a TV personality, you know, her love her or loathe her, um, her contribution can't be, can't be understated. It's interesting that those three wives are very polarizing, you know, Nini, Bethany and Lisa. They've had, you know, I'd say they'd be among the most divisive wives maybe throw Lisa Rinna in there as well, but people have a lot of different opinions on them, don't they? And those three actually have a very tricky relationship to Bravo and the Housewives. When you think about Nini in the last year has gone after Bravo and Andy Cohen and been very like, they treat him like this, has alleged racism, has said that like she was mistreated. Bethany kind of left the show in an underhanded kind of way, sort of implied she'd never go back, has then said she wouldn't, but you know, people still rumor that she'll, they, they believe the rumor she'll go back. Everyone's got a price. <laughs> Even even Bethany Frankel with her property empire and skinny girl brand, you know, everyone needs a couple million dollars. When when I heard that she was getting paid, I heard it was rumored that she was getting paid one point five million dollars per season when she left. So to walk away wow. from that paycheck every year is obviously quite significant. So if they had the money to pay her, I think that she would come back. But I mean anything upwards of that is a is a lot of money. So um yeah. I think everyone has a price. I think it's so funny when I read interviews about people being asked whether they'd go back and whatnot. When I mean, really, I think <laughs> I think Bethany's probably one of the only wives I can think of who genuinely left out of her own accord. Yeah, I think you know, it's not a would you go back. It's would they have you back? Um, it's the for main sure. Question. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, it's not as easy to have happen in our day to day lives over here. But have you had any like run ins or interactions with any housewives or even interviewed any of them? So I interviewed Bronwyn, the former wife from OC Um, I interviewed her sadly not a housewife anymore Um, but I interviewed her she was very nice and she followed me on Twitter and sometimes likes my tweets which is obviously very nice of her Um, and I had an amazing birthday gift from my friends and my boyfriend got me a cameo video from Luann which I know is an interaction (gasps) but um, she basically did it was hilarious so my it, it was from like my group chat which is called like Cheeky Wines with with my friends and she I think she thought that the person giving me the gift was called Cheeky Wines like that was their name she must have thought they were like a drag she must have thought they were like a drag queen or something so she was like this is from your boyfriend Cheeky at the start it was so funny and then they specifically asked for her to sing like different things so she was like happy birthday to you and then she was like Louis Louis baby and then she was like but remember, <laughs> money can buy you class. But it was like really, really good. Um, and which I know Louis is Louis baby is good. Yeah, she's like, Louis Louis baby. And then she was like, money can buy you class, but it can buy you lots of things to celebrate your birthday, my darling. It was like completely hilarious. But oh wow! It was like a drag queen, honestly. But so I know it's not mm-hmm. an interaction, but it was it was very iconic. Um, so yeah, no, that is the extent of it. Not an in-person reaction, though, with any of them. You know what, though? The Luan one, that makes up for a lot of things. God, Louie Louie baby. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> want to introduce... I should have introduced you at the top of the interview with that. I know you should, yeah. I'll, I'll send it to I'm you. I'm gonna go back. <laughs> I'll send the video to you after we've done recording this. It's, it's very good. Oh, I need to see it. Okay, well, we'll put, in post, it'll just open with Louie Louie baby. <laughs> um... We've discussed a lot of housewives topics, but I'm I'm curious where you'll fall on this question. Um, if you had to come up with a housewives tagline, what would it be and why? Ooh, okay, here goes. Housewives twirl. 
I may be a bottom, but I'll always rise to the top. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, classic. That's a perfect gay housewife's tagline. It just hits all the marks we need. Idea. Yeah, I mean, I think that I don't really need to explain, I feel like, why that's my tagline. But I feel like the (laughs) listeners can work it out for themselves. If you're playing along at home, it's a gay reference, okay? <laughs> oh, as if there's anyone um, that wouldn't know this, that reference listening to this. Another question, I always love asking this one, and I say that every week, but it's true. You're throwing a dinner party tomorrow. You can have five people from Housewives World there. It can be Housewives, friends up, hangers on, boyfriends, husbands, whoever, side characters, pets. What five people are hanging out at this party and why? Oh my God. This is like the most difficult question I've ever been answered, asked in my whole life. I mean, it's a dinner party, so... I think I would have to have Giselle there because I feel like she would just be quite messy. And I feel like, you know, what's a dinner party without a little bit of drama? And I would have to have some Potomac representation. Um, I also would have to have Dorinda Medley there because, you know, she's the queen of making it nice. And maybe she would Mm -hmm. offer to host the dinner party at the Berkshires. Right. Yeah. Um, That would be really the dream. So I would certainly have Dorinda. Um, and it wouldn't be the Berkshires without Bethany like losing her rag at somebody. So I would definitely invite Bethany because she is, and I will say, all of you are going to hate me. She's my favorite housewife of all time, still. And I would definitely have, so that's three. I would certainly have Lisa Rinna because mm-hmm. she, her and Giselle, I, I see Lisa Rinna and Giselle as like equivalent people in their franchises. Yeah. And I just yeah, think it'd be it'd be interesting to see them being challenged by someone equally pot-story. The last one, I would maybe have Dana, 25,000 from... What? <laughs> from Game Night. Dana Wilkie? <laughs> yeah, I feel like... I feel like she never got her time to shine. And wow. we know that she would have so much to say, given she's a researcher on all things all things in her podcast and all things to do with Erica's <laughs> Erica's drama. I just feel like she would really milk. She would really, I'm assuming this would all be filmed as well. She would really milk her time oh. in, in front of the camera. You were like, I love how you're like, I assume this will all Yeah, be I mean, you would I have to. I assume my dinner party will be on the show. <laughs> you would You would have to film this. I mean, 100%. Yeah, I, yeah, I feel like, I feel like Dana would be a good extra character choice. It's, it's either her or like John Medesian. So I feel like Dana would, would be the best. Okay. And I think, you know, you as a journalist see something in Dana as another journalist and you want that at your dinner with you. She's basically like doing the work that the people really want. So, yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. I never thought you would say Dana. Okay, that's wild. And before we wrap up, where can people find you online and your work and where can they check that out? Uh, Basically, the best place to go is Twitter. So it's at Louis Staples. um, And that's really where I post all my work and where I tweet about Housewives and a bunch of other stuff. So Mm -hmm. that's the best place to find me. And you have a column uh, for GQ UK, don't you? I do, yeah. British GQ, I write a column every month. It's it's a bit... um, different to housewives it's about sort of weird things men do online or in person uh so it's it's focusing on the men not the wives but yeah um so yeah people can read all of that on my twitter and also when you think weird things men do isn't that a huge factor in most of the housewives storylines anyway i mean it's pretty much yeah it's pretty, every season is really about that <laughs> yeah you're like this oh, one i will be writing oh, with michael darby <laughs> joe, joe judice would also be a great dinner party guest i have to say or 
or um Jackie's husband just because he's so hot right yeah I think he yes I think he would make fabulous eye candy okay well there's lots of great writing for you that people can check out I'll link to some of your housewife pieces in the show notes so people can check those out but Louis Staples, this has been so interesting. Thank you so much for coming on Housewives and Me. Thank you so much. I could talk about this forever. <laughs> that was Louis Staples here on Housewives and Me. I will link to Louis' social media in the show notes. And I'll put a couple of these pieces as well because the uh, where to start with the Housewives article and what to watch is a really lovely way of uh, figuring out where to go on your Housewives viewing journey because I get that question a lot and it's lovely to have it in an article I can just send to people now. Um, Thank you so much for listening as always. If you enjoyed the show today and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I'd really appreciate a rating and a review. It does wonders for getting uh, word of mouth out about the show. You can follow us wherever you get your podcasts because new episodes are out every single Tuesday with lots of great guests still to come. And of course, you can follow the show on social media at Housewives and Me on Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd like to follow me, I'm It's Connor Bean on both those platforms as well. And as I mentioned earlier, the Mother Summer Block Party is happening this Saturday, the 18th of September. You can get info on tickets at the link that's in the show notes this week or by heading to eventbrite.ie. So I think that is more than enough chat out of me. Thank you for listening, as always. Until next time, thank you for listening. Stay safe, and I'll talk to you soon.